Podcasters, one last time, assemble. I'm Jason from the Drinkopedia podcast. Hey everyone, it's Rob here, your friendly neighborhood comic geek. This is Kate from the Nerd of Paradise podcast. Hi, this is Arjuna Gonzalez from Thoughts from the Level Editor. This is Troidal Power from the Power Playthroughs podcast. This is Becky, Troy's wife. I'm Paul Salt from One Good Thing podcast and Screen Mayhem. And this is Captain Marvel. 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 I can't believe we made it. We're finally here. We're done watching all the movies, with the exception of Endgame, but we finally did it. <laughs> it was a really, really, really long month of watching movies every day. I really love Captain Marvel. I think this is a super fun movie. I think Captain Marvel is a badass character. I think that seeing Jude Law get his comeuppance at the end of this movie is fantastic. It's a lot of fun. It fits the Marvel formula well. I don't think it does anything that's groundbreaking in terms of kind of the, the narrative format. Um, it feels like a Marvel movie, but that, much like Doctor Strange, isn't a slight against it. It's a strength. It feels like a Marvel movie. Doctor Strange felt like a Marvel movie despite doing weird bonkers stuff with magic, and this feels like a Marvel movie despite having a female lead, because you know what? It doesn't matter if you have a female lead. I mean... It super matters that you have a female lead, but it shouldn't make people not like the movie, and all the people who review Bond this can go straight to hell. Now, this is Marvel's first female-led movie, which is fantastic. Uh, they weren't the first to do it. DC beat them to that with the fantastic Wonder Woman, but I think they took a different step to it, you know? I think Captain Marvel is less a celebration of her gender and more just like, hey, she's here, she's another superhero, and she just so happens to be a woman. I think that's that's also a great direction to go for and I think that's a direction that's needed. You know, it doesn't shove it in our face that she is a woman. Uh, it just shoves it in our face that she's going to be the strongest Avenger ever. And just so happens to be a woman. And I think that's a fantastic bit. And I can't wait for her to take up that mantle of Captain in the Avengers. Um, so, <laughs> Captain Marvel is probably one of my favorite movies. Mostly because it's a girl power movie and I love that um just like Wonder Woman it, it just like it's it's super awesome to see kick-ass women in um superhero movies so it made me really happy I think what was nice about Captain Marvel was it could also be watched on its own same as with Black Panther and uh and that sort of thing and that's good I think that's good. I think it's good for it to be able to be a standalone film that doesn't have to connect super heavily with everything. Early on in the movie, we get to see Jude Law and Carol uh, 
under the name of Veers at this point, fighting each other. And it's got a lot of that refined fighting that I was talking about um, on a couple of different episodes. Usually it's about Black Widow that this comes up. Um, but Gamora does it too, and, and here we get to see uh, Veers doing it, the, the super refined martial arts. It's really cool to see, but I love that she can just let loose with this cannon blast. And this is like the first time that we see Jude Law for the slimy, skeezball, patriarchy-loving douchebag that he is because he's like, control your impulses. Stop using your heart and start using your head. Like, dude, come on, haven't you ever seen a movie? Of course you're supposed to use your heart. That's how it works. So then she blasts him across the room. Good. I think the stealth mission to go rescue the the undercover Kree operative is really cool. It's really intense, um, and it 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 starts off with having a really cool, dark, murky, foggy atmosphere, and then it builds the intensity really nicely. By you have these civilians that are there, and more of them keep showing up, and they're more agitated. Like it's it's really well done, and it builds this creepy intensity really nicely, and it really makes the scrolls a scary villain because they can shapeshift. They can be anybody. They can be the civilians you're looking at. They can be your teammates. Anybody can be a scroll, And that's a really scary thing to see. I, I just recently read through the Secret Invasion storyline in the comics, which is all about how the scrolls have infiltrated the Avengers. And seeing the scrolls on in this scene, like, it makes you realize how terrifying of a villain they could be. My favorite villain moment is tricky because the villains are a little complicated in this one um, and none of them are really the focus of the film, which is fine. I really enjoyed the scrolls digging around in Carol's head. At the time you think they're the bad guys and there's just something quite distressing about her sort of intimate and important personal moments being messed around with and when that Annette Benning clip just keeps happening over and over again and she doesn't understand. It's, yeah, it's kind of creepy. I like that. And I like it when the film's weird. I could have done with more weird. Um, so the very first time that we get to um, see Carol prior to her um, time with the Cree is um, starts off by her saying, "Higher, further, faster, baby," to her friend, and um, that also um, goes into. Um, in the in the middle of the movie, it goes into a little montage, um, and it shows her like clips from throughout her life where she's being picked on, mostly by boys, but she's being picked on, like told she can't do it, told that she's not good enough. Um, at one point, this guy says, um, "You know why they call it a cockpit, right?" Um, so you know, it's it's just the the typical girls dealing with guys telling them that they can't do it um, and they're not good enough. And so it goes to this little montage and then movie continues. My favorite action scene, it's definitely the escape from the scroll ship early on in the movie where Captain Marvel is also tied up and they're trying to extract the coordinates from her memories, but she fights her way out of there and there's this crazy fight scene on the ship and then like part of the hull breaches and she's almost sucked out into space but she flies back in and then she gets on the escape ship and yeah it gets shot or something happens on the way down and so she falls down to earth like if you've ever played the original unreal 
not Unreal Tournament, but Unreal, the game that came just before that. A lot of that plot is about a female protagonist fighting aliens and going up and down from space, and yeah, it had that had some strong Unreal vibes, and I really liked that. Let's see, what else is there to say about Captain Marvel? Samuel L. Jackson looked amazing with the de-aging. Uh, Coulson, not so much. Coulson didn't look as good when they tried to de-age him. I think Nick Fury and Coulson both look great. I've heard people say that Coulson's de-aging doesn't look so good, but I, I think it looks pretty good. But Nick Fury just looks incredible. Like, you forget that this just isn't young Nick Fury in this movie, or young Samuel Jackson, I should say. Um... But then Coulson, it's just so cool to see baby Coulson in this because I love Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And here's here's baby Coulson doing his thing. And oh no, it turns out he's he's a scroll. But then we get to see real Coulson again. He's good again. But but it's just nice to see him. Now, Captain Marvel's set in the 90s, which means we get a whole cast of people that were uh, previously dead slash older, uh, but basically dead uh, in the in the movies we've seen before. It's a little bit of a prequel, I guess. Uh, we got Sam Sam Jackson. Uh, and Clark Gregg, and it's nice to see a younger Sam Jackson, but also a different Nick Fury on top of that. Uh, we get someone who is more naive, more sprightly, more charismatic, more optimistic about life. You know, he's just starting to get that bite, just starting to get that edge that Nick Fury really has in the movies we've seen thus far. Uh, but with Captain Marvel, he's just this, he's just a fun guy. He's just having a real good time. He's He's real happy with his life. He has a peer or... I guess he's not even a peer to her, but he's he has someone who is extraordinary enter into his life and can hold her own and is really, I think, an inspiration to him. Um, again, I think it was a, a way where we would have been able to fill in some of the gaps in the S.H.I.E.L.D. history, including the fact that they were calling it S.H.I.E.L.D., even though they claimed in the films that they didn't give it a proper name until, uh, is it the end of Iron Man, was it? Is it the end of the first one? Where they finally, he says, just call a shield with, with Agent Coulson. Uh, so I, I, but again, I'm always looking for more information on that whole world building thing. The best action scene is probably the extended chase with Nick Fury driving after the train. There's some really cool stunts there, and Carol getting involved in that really excellent fight with the old lady. It's really playful and fun, like the movie. Stanley's moment in this movie, um, Carol was on a train, um, like a, a bullet train thing, and she was walking through the train looking for a scroll, and there's a man sitting in the seats um, saying, trust me, true believer, trust me, true believer. Um, and he's holding a magazine up over his face so you can't see who it is. Um, and she pulls the magazine down as she gets to him, and it's Stanley, and he gives her a big smile, and she smiles back at him, and then she continues searching the train for the scroll. It's hard to believe that there's only one more movie with Stanley in it. It makes me sad. I love every moment in this movie that makes me write, fuck this dude in my notes. And there are a lot of them. And one of the best is this stupid dude on the motorcycle who's like, come on, baby, don't you go to smile for me? Ah, fuck this dude. This movie has a great soundtrack. Like, I know I really love Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 soundtrack, but this one also has a great soundtrack because I found myself um, 
when we were watching it yesterday for the second time, I found myself singing every single song that came on. So I love the 90s music soundtrack on this. Like, I, I haven't seen Come As You Are by Nirvana used in... Have I ever seen it used in a movie before? Have I ever seen it used in a movie? Have I ever seen a song used in a movie? Yes, Arjuna. Um, no, I... It was an excellent use of that song. Uh, I didn't quite recognize all the 90s music, but I, I definitely appreciated the references that were there. Fury and um, Carol are in the car, and he's taking her to um, a building, and they go through security. And um, he says his name and says, you know, I'm, I'm S.H.I.E.L.D. And... Um, he says, Nicholas Joseph Fury. And she goes, you have three names? What do people call you? He goes, Fury. And she replies, just Fury? He goes, yep, not Nicholas, not Joseph, just Fury. She says, what does your mother call you then? Fury. What do your friends call you? Fury. Kids? If I ever have them? Fury. <laughs> and then later on, it ends up that his boss has been taking, taken over by a scroll, and he knows because he steps in the elevator and he's like, um, hello, Nicholas, or good job, Nicholas, or something like that. And so he's like, he didn't call me Fury. And it was a, it's a, a perfect setup for it. Carol and Fury have gotten into uh, this Air Force base and been locked in detainment, and Fury does this super cool trick where he uses a piece of tape to pull the dude's thumbprint off of uh, an ID badge and then uses that to access the thumbprint reader on the door to open the door so they can get out. It's really cool spy stuff, and I really like it. And you're like, man, Fury, you're a cool dude. And then, like, two minutes later, they come to another door, and Fury's like, let me just get my tape. And Carol just blasts the door open. He's like, man, you let me play around with this tape. And she's like, no, I didn't want to steal your thunder. I love it. So good. The scroll dude showing up in the house after they've answered the door uh, with the neighbor asking about the plane. And I can't remember his exact line. Um, and he says something like, I figured I, sh I might have needed to borrow some sugar in like this, that vague southern accent. That was cool. My favorite villain moment in this uh, huge spoiler to Captain Marvel. If you haven't watched it yet, don't listen to this aspect. It will, I think, ruin the movie or make it less enjoyable for you. Uh, but for those of us who've seen it, Wow. Who would have thought that the Skrulls were good guys? I really enjoyed that twist. I really enjoyed taking something that we're so used to, so that's so ingrained in us as either the comic fans or like speculative MCU fans, that the Skrulls are bad guys. They're the green little men bad guys. And to have them fleshed out and more humanized because that's what the MCU is. It's taking things that we know and love and twisting it for the better of this universe, the better of this narrative it does make sense that these aliens would have, you know, layers, multiple dimensions. Not all of them are universally bad. Some of them are good. Hopefully we'll see down the line scrolls that are bad and Kree that are good because they kind of flipped it. They kind of 180'd it here. Uh, but according to Kevin Feige, you know, alien species, they're diverse. They're interesting like us. So hopefully we'll see it flipped again along the line. But I really enjoyed it. I think it was a really great thing coming as a comic book fan with expectations for the scroll invasion. I was absolutely thrown with the whole scroll 
uh, plot twist for better or worse, I guess. I still like the idea of the two, the Kree and the Skrull, being warring armies and nobody being right. I think, to me, that's a bit stronger uh, than going with the refugee angle, but I understand, I guess, why they did it. I really like the origin story of Carol's powers in this movie. Um, I don't know her origins super well from the comics because mostly what I've heard about them is that they're kind of creepy and super weird and, and a little bit gross, and that just doesn't sound fun for me. So I've never gone back to actually read where uh, the, the comics where she got her powers, but I like how it works in this one. Uh, I thought it was weird, the Marvel twist, that Marvel wasn't the original Captain Marvel super space hero guy, also written by Jim Starlin, who did the Infinity Gauntlet storyline and created Thanos. Um, I thought it seemed a little odd that it was just a rogue scientist on Earth. I like that she was friends with uh, the undercover uh, Kree scientist who was developing um, engines based on Tesseract technology. I think that the fact that she was friends with her is a nice place to start with origins from her backstory because it starts from a place of, like, friendship and and respect and i think that's really cool there are so many great hero moments but my favorite one is when carol realizes that there is only one way to deprive the bad guys of what they want and it is essentially to kill herself without hesitation she decides to shoot the weird engine thing that i'm sure she realizes is going to erupt in a big explosion that she's way too close to um risking her life but she does she does what's right uh, without hesitation, and she has no powers at this point, so it's just all about her and who she is, and just her pure will to do the right thing. It's really great. And then ultimately, she gets her powers by trying to prevent the bad guys from getting uh, the super powerful technology. She she makes the sacrifice play, and is rewarded by getting her powers. I think that's a really nice way to do her her origin story. Monica's daughter is great too, and I know she's a character from the comics, there's a lot that she could be later on, but in this she's just a lot of fun, and one of my favorite moments from her is where she's trying to convince her mom, like, no, you gotta go fly this mission, like, this could be, like, the most important mission, the most important flight ever, go do it, and then she goes, I just think you should consider what kind of example you're setting for your daughter. It's very good. It reminds me a lot of Cassie and Ant-Man, like, Good daughters. Marvel, you're good at daughters. You're terrible at fathers, but you're good at daughters. Well, no, that's not true, because yeah, Scott's a good father, but other fathers, like Odin's a bad father, and you know what I mean. My favorite hero moment is that moment when Carol Danvers and Rambo are having a heart-to-heart Carol is saying she doesn't even know who she is. And Rambo says that you are Carol Danvers. You're the woman on the black box who is willing to risk your life and all that. Blah, blah, blah. Long story short, they hug it out. She starts to remember more about her human life. And I just thought that was a very powerful, emotional moment. I really liked it. I loved the costume design in this film. I think it looked really good from that uh, aspect. I think she looked really good. I think the Kree looked really good. Uh, I think the Skrulls looked really good. Carol's costume is really cool. I like the Captain Marvel costume once she gets the colors on there. I mean, the Kree version's good too, but the scene where she's picking the colors, it's kind of a fun idea that, that we get to see all these different versions of the costume. Why is it in the dark? Why are they standing in the porch in the dark where you can barely see the colors? 
Who thought that was a good idea? There's a brightly lit house right behind him. Just go inside and then do the scene where we get to see all the costumes so we can actually see them. But at the same time, there's a lot of weird contradictions. Uh, like on Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea, they talked about how you take the Tesseract, which before you can't hold in your hands without it melting your hand off, but Captain Marvel can hold it. Is it just because she's special? I don't know. They put it in a lunchbox when before it's melting through an airplane. It, you know, so is it only when it's activated that it does that? I don't know. There's some there's some weird stuff there. My favorite action scene, or rather scenes in this movie, are any of the ones with Goose. Goose the cat, a.k.a. Flurkin. Flurkin, Flurkin, Flurkin. I love <laughs> Goose the cat. And especially when he was displaying his full Flurkin-ness, eating people and all of that awesome jude law is a jerk throughout this movie but just to make sure you realize that he's a jerk have him be mean to goose don't you be mean to that cat that flirking cat is way better than you'll ever be jude law My favorite heroine moment has got to be towards like the end of the movie where Captain Marvel has been captured by the Kree and they're on the Kree destroyer that's been orbiting Earth for six years and she's tied up and she's talking to the Supreme Intelligence. She's been um, trapped by the Supreme Intelligence and she's like bound up and She's talking to the Supreme Intelligence and she's trying to fight back. And um, the Supreme Intelligence basically tells her she's only human. And she's like, you're right, I am only human. My favorite line of dialogue, I'm only human. I think that really kind of signified the whole movie. She might only be human. She might have limitations. She might fall, but she will always get up again. And that's kind of the human nature. We are not perfect, but we learn from our mistakes and we get up and we keep getting up. She's had this like short fight sequence and she's uh, been knocked through the weird wall of memories and she's seeing all those memories of her being only human. And they're like, Anhala, you were born first. And she is like, my, my name, name is, is Carol. Carol. And then like, you can see her getting stronger and it goes through the montage of her getting picked on again. But this time it shows after every single time that she was put down or she fell down or something bad happened. She always got back up. You know, they put the montage of Carol standing up um, over and over again all throughout her life in the trailers for this movie. And I think that was um, a good choice from a marketing perspective. But a lot of times I get frustrated with things like that because I'm like, oh, I wish I had seen that in the theaters first. In this case, I don't even care. It's just as cool seeing it on my little phone screen when that trailer first came out as it was seeing it on the big screen. Seeing Carol rise up over and over again is awesome. Um, and then you see her basically stand up and then she breaks free of the Supreme Intelligence and she pulls the um, thing out of her neck that's been ho holding back her powers and she starts floating and glowing and then she kicks everyone's ass and it's fantastic it's like the most empowering thing ever is that she finally gets to fight back
So once Carol's gotten uh, the, the restraining bolt or whatever out of her neck, she is super powerful. And we just get to see her blow through all of Jude Law's forces, which is great. Then we have uh, Ronin show up, the accuser, and just start dropping bombs on the planet. And she just destroys all of those bombs as well. And then goes on to like destroy Ronin's entire fleet. Another contender for favorite heroine moment would be the, yeah, the dogfight in the canyon with Rambo and Minerva. That whole scene with the dogfight in the canyon, it had like a very Star Wars pod racer vibe, which is about the only part I remember of Star Wars Episode One, because uh, it was the pleasant memories. Um, yeah. It seems like there's going to be this big build-up to a fight with Jan Rog, and he sort of turns off his weapons and says, This is the big moment. I've always said you won't be ready until you fight me in battle. This is that time and stuff. She plows him down with full force. I love that. He was holding her back, and she was not taking it anymore, and she just lets him have it. My favorite quote, quite simply, I have nothing to prove to you. That is just excellent. The context, fantastic. And then she just shoots him and says, I don't need to prove anything to you. Yeah, that was good. So I thought he really got what was coming to him, and it was a very good payoff. This is a weird dangling thread because we saw it resolved like 10 years before this movie came out. But, but Nick Fury is sitting at his desk and writing about the Protector Initiative, a, a initiative to bring together some of the world's most greatest heroes, and then realizing that, that Carol's call sign was, was Avenger. And then he deletes Protector, and we don't see what he types in, but you hear that Avenger's music swell up. Oh, oh it's so good. I mean, it's, I, you know, I don't think Carol's call sign was ever Avenger in the comics, and... You know, they call Captain America the first Avenger, so that's a little weird. But you know what? I don't care, because that moment, just it just absolutely rocks. It's so good. We were all, those of us that are big comic fans, we're expecting this to spin off into a secret invasion thing where we find out that some of the Marvel characters we know have actually been Skrulls this entire time. And it's still possible that they could do that. Like, I think there's enough there but it seemed like Captain Marvel sort of rounded them all up and took them wherever. I'm interested to know if Captain Marvel manages to get the scrolls to some safe home world out of the reach of the creep. In terms of dangling threads, just Carol Danvers. What next? Did she find those guys a new home? Did she beat the Supreme Intelligence and overthrow that empire? Is she back on Earth now for good? Is she going to take over as leader of the Avengers? Come on! More Captain Marvel. Also, how did she settle on Captain Marvel? I know they kind of talk about Marvel at the end, but I want to know how she got that moniker. I don't know how we're going to get to the point where she takes on the Marvel name as Captain Marvel. Maybe they won't, right? Maybe they just call the character that, but they don't ever actually call her that in the movies? I feel like that'd be a little weird, but I guess you never know. I don't know. We will, we will see. She is so powerful and i get that she's supposed to be the most powerful person in the marvel universe the most powerful hero in the marvel universe but it's kind of nuts how powerful she is which makes me wonder about what her future with the mcu is going to be i mean she's going to show up and help fight thanos in endgame but but what happens then because like i don't know if if captain marvel's around 
it seems like you can win pretty much any fight you get into. So does that mean we're going to see a shift in the Marvel movies where they lean more towards, um, you know, villains who can't be defeated with fists and have to be defeated some other way? Or is she going to get depowered if she ends up sticking around in future Avengers movies? I don't know. I'm really curious to see what's going to happen with her. But I think at, at the power level she's at right now and the format that the uh, the Marvel movies currently use for, for their conflicts, the, those two things I don't think can really mesh at all. So basically what I'm looking forward to learning is how Captain Marvel and maybe Goose will defeat Thanos in Endgame. That's what I'm hoping for. Um, it'll be interesting, too, to see how she interacts with the other Avengers. Now, I mean, they, they scheduled this movie right before Endgame. We all knew she's going to be in Endgame. We all knew this was happening. This is just the, the little teaser that we were going to get after Infinity War leading up to Endgame. That little, that little Marvel nugget that gets us through the long hiatus between the two movies. And I think everything, every dangling thread that is in this movie... It's just a lead up to that. I'm sure when an Endgame comes out, we'll get all those little threads that we wanted, all those little nuggets that we've been missing. What has Captain Marvel been up to? What has she been doing in terms of the scroll? How has she been helping? Why has she been gone? Why is she all glammed up all of a sudden in, in Endgame? Uh, when did she get that time to shower and, and change her hair and put on makeup? Uh, that's, and what is she, why is she ageless on top of that? I think we'll get to know all that pretty, pretty soon. Tomorrow by the time you're listening to this podcast. I liked Captain Marvel. I didn't love Captain Marvel. I think if the movie came out before we had 21 or whatever it is, other films to compare it to, it would stand much higher. Overall, I really, really enjoyed Captain Marvel. We could use more... Uh, lady-centric movies in the Marvel Universe, I think. But uh, Captain Marvel, a good movie? Not a great movie, but it doesn't have to be. It's okay for it just to be another stepping stone in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and another worthwhile entry, if not the greatest one. Summing up, I would just say I enjoyed this movie. I think Brie Larson as Captain Marvel is the real real victory of the film, and it's a performance that deserves a more impressive film and a, more, a bolder film. It's not quite Black Panther, which is the sort of standout Marvel for me last year, but it's a fine vehicle for her. I really enjoyed um, her dynamic with Nick Fury. It's nice to see a sort of looser side to Nick Fury. And yeah, the tone was just the typical Marvel fun. And that's all you can ask, really. But overall, I thought it was fine. I think there were some things that I would have changed. But again, this wasn't a film for me. This was a girl power film. And it was a movie that I was able to enjoy and I was happy to enjoy. I'm a huge fan of the Kelly Sue DeConnick run of Captain Marvel that introduced her, turned her from Miss Marvel into Captain Marvel, the character that she is today and in this film. Captain Marvel holds this ability to really inspire people innately uh, because of her personality, because of her jovial kind of approach to things, because she has the powers of a god, essentially, but also like how that affects other people around her. I think the other Avengers have always had the ability to inspire, but that's because 
you know, they fought aliens or whatever. Her presence, I think Captain Marvel herself really just inspires that hope in people. I don't know what that is. And hopefully we'll get to see more of it coming forward. Podcasters Assemble Probably is a production of the We Can Make This Work Probably Podcast Network. This episode edited and produced by me, Troidal Power. Find more of our shows at probablywork.com and learn how to join the initiative and contribute to future episodes of Podcasters Assemble Probably by looking us up on Twitter as at Casters Assemble. Submissions are always open. Thank you to everyone who was able to contribute to this episode. Be sure to check the show notes for links to all the places you can find them online. Special thanks to executive producer Tyler Thornton for keeping this show on track. Those are my thoughts on Captain Marvel, and I just remember there's one more, so we will see you next time, or depending on the order in which these are coming out, uh, that's it for, for mine. Thank you for listening. Podcasters Assemble probably will return in Avengers Endgame. You know, probably. Probably.